Hi, I'm Karen, founder and skipper of Sporting Sheroes, an organization that helps women in sport raise their profile and develop great sponsorship packages. This is the Data Talks Sports CDP Crash Course Podcast. Data Talks makes it easy for sports organizations to sell more tickets and merchandise and negotiate sponsorship agreements of higher value. Our community, Women in Sport, beyond the hashtag, is for everyone involved in the women's sports space. And we'd love you to join us, whatever your sport, whatever your level, and whatever your role. So welcome to the November episode of my monthly guest host slot. And this month, I want to talk about the rise and rise of women's rugby and how, like in football, we can forge a new path for the women's game. In the UK, where I'm based, women's premiership rugby was formed back in the early 1990s, made up predominantly of university teams. The Rugby Football Union for Women, or the RFUW, was created in 1994, and coming up to 2014, the RFUW was integrated into the Rugby Football Union, the RFU, bringing together the men's and women's game under one combined body. Fast forward to the 1st of July 2023 and the Premiership Women's Rugby was launched and will manage the now Allianz Premiership Women's Rugby Club Tournament, which has kicked off this autumn, welcoming two new teams to make up a 10-team league. Now, all of this bodes well in terms of build-up to the game's two major international tournaments – the Women's Six Nations Championship, which starts in March 2024, and the Women's Rugby World Cup in 2025, the 10th edition of this tournament, which I'm personally delighted to say will be held in the UK. And this is well and good. But outside of the flagship tournaments, what sort of impact is rugby having on communities, clubs and players? As I mentioned at the beginning, women's rugby started mostly as a university sport, and there were precious few opportunities to play outside of that, which clearly left a gaping hole for women and girls across a whole gamut of society who might have considered giving it a go. I've always said that one of the things I absolutely love about football is that no matter where you might be in the world, if you can kick a ball about language, social demographics and other factors become irrelevant. Jumpers are set down as goalposts, a kickabout gains momentum and long-standing friendships are formed. Rugby is different. It's not played universally and historically has suffered somewhat from an elitist image, the real man's game for private schools. There are some interesting developments going on in the men's game with a number of outsider nations coming agonisingly close to upsetting this status quo, such as when Uruguay almost beat France, or Samoa getting way too close for England's liking. However, plans for a new Nations League looks like ring-fencing the top 12 teams, ensuring new up-and-coming nations have precious little opportunity to play relevant games until their arrival at the four-yearly World Cup Jamboree. As we've seen in women's football, when you are forging new pathways and taking the road less travelled, you have, as a forerunner, the opportunity to do things differently. I believe this is where the women's game can excel, and it's already made a great start. 
Long-standing stalwart of the game, Maggie Alfonsi, has been open and clear about her ambition to become president of the RFU. Despite the trolls that consistently display racist and sexist prejudice towards her. Indeed, it only seems to reinforce her commitment to introduce English rugby to a much wider demographic. As a formidable black player, a flanker, who grew up in a single parent family on a council estate, she is leading from the front and inspiring women and girls across cultures, faiths, and socioeconomic demographics to give rugby a go. One of her mentees, Zainab Alima, is a Muslim mum of three children whose ambition is to play for England. And she's already well on her way, playing for Richmond RFC, featuring as one of Land Rover Defenders Trailblazers, and with a storming nickname for a rugby player to boot, the Bulldozer. Her accolades to date include Rugby Blacklist's Future Leader 2023, Women of the Future Award Winner 2022, Muslim Woman Award Winner Sport 2022, and Sunday Times Grassroots Sportswoman 2020. She is a force to be reckoned with, and I personally believe she's only just getting started. Bringing the conversation closer to my own home city, I couldn't be prouder to live in a city whose Premiership Rugby Club not only has a women's side, but that side has three 15s teams, plus a mixed ability team, the Trojans. And from reading the statements, it is this open commitment to inclusivity and diversity that has brought in a number of their sponsors too. National governing bodies and clubs that are not harnessing this momentum in the women's game risk being left behind and losing out on supporters, sponsors, players, and new revenues. Women's rugby is on the up and up. As we develop and grow, let's make sure we emulate the best stuff from the men's game and be trailblazers in areas such as access to the game and equality, diversity, and inclusion as we go. The game will be even better for it, and so too will every club's bottom line. So that's a wrap for this month. I'm Karen, the founder and skipper of Sporting Shearers, guest hosting this podcast for Data Talks. Come and connect with me and the awesome Data Talks team on social media. And don't forget to join our fantastic community, Women in Sport, beyond the hashtag. All the links are in the episode description.